chance. Yenmark down the middle, scores! Matias Yenmark, shorthanded goal. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Puck comes out high. Wah gets the puck off to the races. Into the zone. The righty. Right circle. Backhander. He scores! What a move! Nicholas Wah gets the Knights back in the lead. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team. Exclusive player interviews and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas. Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard, Chris Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports, Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Some extra emphasis into that woo today because we got a special guest uh, inside the studio. It's a member of the uh, Vegas Golden Knights and uh, a lot going on around Riley Smith uh, right now. And he's got the Battle for Vegas charity softball game coming up on July 18th. And, uh, of course, uh, free agency looming. we got uh, all kinds of things to chat with uh, with Riley about right now as he joins us. Uh, you, uh, you've you got the uh, the charity softball game. Can, can I ask you a serious question? Yeah, of course. Okay, okay. so, so I, I don't like to start off in interviews like this but uh is it true that you confirmed with raul your massage therapist uh, whether or not he was available before you confirmed the third annual uh charity softball game because he he's a ringer <laughs> well first of all he likes to go by manual therapist that's a little bit more professional i <laughs> <Okay>. guess um <laughs> But, yeah, I, I did run it by him pretty quick. I think we already had the dates in place, but uh, he's here all summer, and he told me that his uh, schedule is wide open. So um, I'd be expecting him to play this year. This is a cool thing that you've got going. Not like it's it's an annual event. Yeah, I think that, that was the plan from uh, day one when we, we did it the first year. Um, it ended up being such a success that, you know, our, our, our goal is kind of aligned, and um, it seemed like we could do this every year. Um and, and you, I think the main focus for me was I always wanted to benefit a children's charity and, and kind of change it from year to year so, uh, you know, we, we could kind of spread the wealth around. So walk us through kind of the, the charities this year. What, uh, what what charities are going to be benefited from this game? So um, CIS and Max Hope are the two uh, main charities along, along with the Vegas Golden Knights Foundation. And um, CIS is a is a foundation that uh, really emphasizes um, the one-on-one aspect uh, of educational learning mm-hmm. and puts kids in the right environment to, to take the next uh, step in their um, educational um, grounding, um, especially with the kids in public schools. And Max Hope is a foundation that was started by uh, Brad Garrett, actually. And um, it uh, really focuses on raising money for families with, with children that are in life-limiting situations and um, enables them to not worry about the expenses of, you know, groceries, gas, and, and all the other things that you don't want to be worrying about when you have a, a child going through tough time. Uh, all kinds of fun uh, to go with uh, the Battle for Vegas charity softball game, right? Yeah, and, you know, it, this is a really fun event. I, I've been to both of them. I'm, I'm looking forward to going to, to the third one. I, when... When it gets down to it, you're obviously playing a different sport, baseball. It's 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 fun. It's engaging. Uh, but what about maybe bragging rights in this one? Like, how much do you how, like? How badly do you want to win this year? It's kind of funny because I never really expected to 
make it too much of a rivalry. And the games never start that way, but they always end that yeah. way. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we lost the first two. So I guess, you know, we're going to have to pull out some stops on this one. So what direction? Like, what's your secret weapon going into this one? Well, you can't give up your secret weapon already. Give, give me give me one strategy then. I don't know. Is Bryce Harper available? <laughs> maybe he, he takes might, some time off. He might be in season, but I think maybe, I, I don't know, throw in a call. We'll, we'll figure it out. Darren, we'll get Darren on it. Like, I've Darren got to figure it out. I, I know everybody, but uh, I'm more <laughs> curious about, uh, have you had to cut anybody over the first two years? And say, like, hey, you're a good guy. I love having you around, but you can't play. I, honestly, that it may be the year for this. Who knows? <laughs> um, I remember uh, William Carlson, our first year, he wasn't doing great, and, and we were really close to just you know cutting the cord on him, telling them that the end of the bench looked pretty friendly for him, maybe crack open a beer, sit in the stands, and just enjoy the game. But, um, you know, White Cloud was pretty close last year, so I don't know if he's going to be able to make it this year, but we'll see. Uh, he, he's uh, a surprise to me because he's a scratch golfer, He's a National Hockey League defenseman, but he can't play ball. Like that's that that is a shocker to me. Yeah, I mean, Canadian athletes were, were yes. <laughs> usually where we got one thing going and that's about it. So, uh, you know, if you can mix golf in there, that, that's more power to you. But uh, you know, we're we're known for playing hockey and skiing, and that's about it. Battle for Vegas charity softball game coming up uh, July 18th over at the uh, Las Vegas ballpark. Uh, the Raiders against the, the Vegas Golden Knights, Ryan. Yeah, I got to ask you, like, in terms of playing baseball, what's the hardest thing for you? It's pretty foreign to me. Like, mm. I played lacrosse in the summers growing up. I never really played baseball at all. Um, so it's it's a challenge for me. Trying not to embarrass myself is probably my main goal um, every year. But... I think it's just, for me, it's such a great event. It's so much fun. I think the fans are so engaging. Um, they don't get to see us during the summers, and mm -hmm. this just gives them an extra opportunity to, to kind of jump back into the, the VGK mindset. Um, and it's all supporting such a great cause. Um, you know, I want this thing to keep on going for as long as I can, and um, it all comes from the support that we get from the community. Uh, your your comments about CIS and that with that one on one uh, as as a father of a, a daughter that uh, that utilizes uh, that kind of uh, arrangement like it's so valuable, Ryan Riley. Yeah, it, it really is. I know you know both of my parents were teachers and uh, education, but it was really the the mainstay of us growing up. And hockey was always secondary. So um, and I know how important education is, and uh, to be able to start early and really. Uh, kind of get the, yourself grounded at so many different, um, you know, facets that you really need to, the building blocks for your education um, is important. And um, it was always important for me and my brothers. And, and it's something that I think that the whole community really needs to, to really jump on board. And CIS is, is a great way to be able to fund that. You know, Riley, you, you spoke kind of about the VGK mindset, jumping into that in the middle of the summer. I think something that's on the minds of everybody that is a fan of this team and subsequently a fan of you is your contract, right? Like you're an unrestricted free agent going into the summer. Um, have there been talks about a, a new contract? And, and how important is it for you to, to stay here in Vegas with this Golden Knights team? Yeah, I'd love to stay in Vegas. Um, I'd like to say that talks with uh... – the organization are going really well. Um, you know, there's nothing there yet, but uh, we're working in the right direction. I think, you know, with our cap strap team over the last couple of years is always a little tricky. Um, but for me, 
you know, I, I'd like to be able to finish my career here in, in Vegas and, you know, however years that may be. Um, but it's just been a great place to call home. I feel like uh, me and my family have been welcomed here since day one. And um, it, it's just such a great place to live from, from the weather to the to the people to, um, you know, just, just coming out here and being able to do this and being able to connect with so many different people in the community. Um, it's just been great for us. It's a heck of a commitment to uh, unrestricted free agent, and you're still doing the Battle for Vegas charity softball game, so I think that's uh, that's an awesome uh, step. Uh, how are you feeling health-wise? Honestly, I feel great. Um, finally able to swing some golf clubs, so that's always <laughs> a nice thing, even though it's heating up pretty fast here in Vegas. I heard you were surfing. Yeah, I, I was trying that too. Uh, I didn't have as much success surfing, but... Um, <laughs> It's kind of been always one of those bucket list things that I've wanted to be able to do. So I was able to test that out uh, last week. I don't know. I don't know if I have much of a future in it, though. It's the most exhausting thing I've ever tried to do. It honestly is really tough. It's like you're battling the wind, you're battling the waves, and I was falling all the time, so I would just be like thrashing into the shore, and then I'd have to work my way back out pretty much all for nothing. So um, I got a workout in. I guess that's the best thing I could say about it. And you feel like you're going 100 miles per hour when you finally do get up on the darn thing, and you're probably just crawling along. Oh, yeah. I was barely moving, and <laughs> I was, you know, I'd like to say the waves were big, but, you know, it felt like I was on top of a mountain. So, um, you know, watching some of those, those surfers out there was pretty impressive. So, Riley, when you, when you kind of look at your, your next couple of months, like we, we talked about contract, but extended period of time now with with the summer off what what's training that ramp up look like for you going into next season and how nice is it to kind of have somewhat of a normal off season compared to what we've had over the last two years it'll be a little weird to be honest um the last few years we've had long off seasons and playoffs in the summer so um you really have to to restructure your thinking and your planning of how you're going to attack the summer um you know i took a few weeks off but my mindset, it's really tough for me to, to stay away for too long. So, um, you know, you try to, to build back. and um, But like you said, it, it is um, a structured thing that you, you have to look. And you can't just try to do everything all at once because there's just too much time. Um, so, you know, you, you try to build strength and speed and all nice things. But uh, you really have to put them in the right timeline. It's the Battle for Vegas charity softball game. Riley Smith has uh, done an amazing job uh, with this project. It's the LV Ballpark coming up on July 18th, the third annual. Oh, we saved the best for last. Uh, we only allow him to ask one question, and he's been mulling <laughs> over this uh, possibility all day long. Chris Chapman. Yeah, there were two questions I was going to ask you, and, and both of them pertain to one of your brothers, or each of your brothers, I should say. Uh, but we've got lacrosse coming to Vegas, and I was reading that your brother Rory was quite the lacrosse player, uh, apparently the all-time leading penalty minutes uh, player in, in major lacrosse. So growing up with a brother who who is kind of like his style of play is in his sport is quite different than yours. What's that like? Because it seems like you guys are polar opposite when it comes to uh, the styles of play. Yeah, I grew up with a lot of bloody noses and chipped teeth. <laughs> uh, a lot of fights in the basement. And, you know, he's four years older than me, so I'd like to say that he got the best of me probably every time. Um, but it was great being able to have, uh, Rory's my oldest and then Brendan, um, he's our middle brother as just two great role models. Um, you know, pretty much in every facet of life, you know, obviously they're both, uh, very good athletes, but also just really good people. So 
um, great role models for me to just uh, bounce ideas off of and, and kind of learn from them. Hey, what do you like watching the the games uh, with Brandon going? Honestly, he's playing great, so it, it's it's good to see. It's a little nerve wracking when your brother's a defenseman. He's always a you know pretty much the last line of defense before the goalie, but he's done a great job. I think their team's playing pretty well. They're they're in tough though. It seems like uh, Gerard's uh, Rangers are doing pretty well, and uh, Reeves is definitely creating some havoc out there, especially <laughs> the last game and a half. So it's a, it's an interesting series, and, and I hope both both teams the best. Uh, where will you play in the Battle for Vegas charity softball game at the Las Vegas ballpark July 18th? Uh, what's your position of specialty? I don't think anything's special. So um, <laughs> last year I was the catcher. Um, you know, it depends how many guys we have and, and where we move people around. Um, you know, I'm just fine with, with being out there. I'll coach if I need to. It doesn't really matter. I can't embarrass myself doing that. So um, it, it's just such a fun event. Um you know, hopefully I don't embarrass myself. Hopefully we pick up a win this year. And um, most importantly, hopefully we raise a lot of money for, for the kids in need. Does somebody have to play shortstop or second or one of those marquee positions where they say, ah, I, I, I'm really good there? Honestly, I don't know if Mark's going to play, but he was awesome last year. So if he's playing, we'll put him at shortstop. It seemed like he was he was snagging everything. Yeah, that, I don't know how people do that because that ball comes at you whistling and I'm jumping out of the way, uh, uh, just like I do with you with you in there. Except for you signed that puck to me the one time and said, i, I got to say this, Riley, I have, a, I have an autographed <laughs> puck <laughs> on my desk from, from, from Riley, and it's one of my, my great collections, and it says, and this is, this, is, this is Riley's great sense of humor, congratulations on your save. It wasn't saves. <laughs> it was congratulations on your save. Which every time I look at it, I think that's cool. But then I realize that it's really not a compliment. Well, you were hooting and hollering after you made the save, so I figured it was a big moment for you. I didn't want to let you live it down. It was a it was a big moment. Uh, congratulations on it, and uh, and all the best. Uh, it's really really cool, and uh, it's such a fabulous uh, gift for for all the charities around town. Uh, good luck with it. Thank you so much, Darren. Uh, Riley Smith with us uh, in studio. The Battle for Vegas charity softball game at the Las Vegas Ballpark coming up July 18th. The uh, Vegas Golden Knights against the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Raiders are 2-0 and in this situation. So I expect the Golden Knights to come back strong. I love hearing Mark Stone uh, as that vacuum, as shortstop. Yeah, I, you know, you, you've got great athletes on both sides, and I... I I, for one, and I'm not going to sit here and put any pressure on Riley, not not in my, my DNA to do that. But he must I, be I'm, still in the studio. He is. Oh, I'm yeah, I feeling so. right now a Golden Knights victory this year. Uh, that's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm going to put it out there in the universe. If, it's, if it doesn't come to be, everyone can blame me. I just feel like this is the year for the Golden Knights to win the battle for Vegas. Well, you know, I'm, the first year the Raiders cheated. Well, yeah. They batted out of order like seven times. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not, it, not it was that fine. I was keeping track or anything. You were keeping track. <laughs> I, I saw you. You were counting it. You had it on your notepad. Yeah. Everyone talks about Chapman not putting anything in his notepad. He put that in his notepad. <laughs> I'm like, hey, Marcus Allen just hit. Well, uh, here's the thing. Like I mentioned Raul, therapist, uh, and how great, great he is. Like, he was in the home run derby last year. Like, he, he just knocks the cover off the ball. So he came up last year uh, with the bases loaded. They, they pinch hit and put him in. The Raiders walked him. Yeah. Yeah, with yeah. the bases loaded. Oh, you don't want to give up a grand slam there, Darren. Come on. It's a good strategy. Like, come on, you guys. That's how competitive. That's, it, Riley talked about it, yeah. how competitive it gets. It gets that competitive, which is outstanding. Anytime you have 
high-performing athletes in any type of game, whether whether it's attached to charity, whether it's a game that is not their native sport, they will go all out in the heat of battle. And it's why you were hooting and hollering after making a save. A save. A, yeah. uh, a, a save. One save. Uh, but I, you guys know me. I hoot and holler all the time anyway. Yeah, it, it doesn't very really true. matter whether whether I'm successful or not. Hey, it's great to hear him. Uh, so uh, bubbly and excited about uh, about the the game, but also uh, on the health uh, side of it, and and hopefully uh, things can work out uh, with the cap situation uh, because you hear the passion in his voice about Vegas. So the way that I look at it, and, and I've talked about the the need for consistency. For this Golden Knights team over the course of the offseason, as much consistency, as much as you can bring back into next season, the better, because I think that that's really what the Golden Knights need to get themselves back into the playoffs and back to Stanley Cup contention. And for me, Riley Smith is a big part of that. There's there's so much that he does on the ice. He's he's ingrained in this team, in this core, in this leadership. So I hope Honestly, that there's a way to make it work. I hope that there is a way for Riley Smith to be in a Golden Knights jersey next year because I think that is the best possible scenario for the Golden Knights to bounce right back and become that contender that we expected them to be this year. Yeah, goal scorer, uh, power play, penalty killing, yep, everything. Uh, veteran. And I would like to give him a new title next year. Oh. If, uh, if Riley Smith and the Golden Knights are able to work out a contract. So we have that uh, that title that we kind of had some fun with with the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? Okay, yeah. Uh, director the, of hockey strategy. Hockey strategy, yep. And that that that's for uh, an executive. Mm-hmm. But I would like to give Riley if he returns, and this uh, this is my signing bonus to him uh, if he's <laughs> able to uh, to come back to the to the Vegas Golden Knights, is chief on ice strategist. Okay. Because he's the guy coming up with all the playoff plays mm-hmm. uh, or the, uh, the the face-off plays. Yeah. Anytime they, they've got uh, an offensive zone or, or something uh, in, in overtime, uh, he's talking to the guys. And, and if it's his regular line out there, uh, he says uh, Marshy is, isn't interested mm-hmm. and, and William doesn't want to come up with the plays. So Riley does all that. So chief on-ice strategist, mm-hmm. I think, would be a great title for him. Yeah, it's better than director of hockey strategy for the yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, I think that that would absolutely lead to more victories, especially in the playoffs. Uh, the chief uh, <laughs> hockey strategist, I believe, also is a fancy name for analytics, which yeah. is what I've sort of done some research on. Oh, have you? Uh, uh, is, is, is where I, I think that it, uh, that it comes into, into play. Hmm. Uh, the great, like timing is perfect, too, because Riley's uh, able to come in studio with us and, and chat and hang out, and we've only got one game tonight in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, Colorado against St. Louis, an opportunity for the Avalanche to win and get past the second round. Mm-hmm. It's something that, I mean, this is a great franchise, Colorado. Yeah. Uh, they've been past the second round uh, on a f- couple of occasions. Uh, won, won some pretty uh, important trophies, uh, Stanley Cup, uh, in the past. But can you believe that the Colorado Avalanche have not been past the second round since Sackick and Waugh and company played? Yeah, I can. Like. I'm shocked that that it goes back to the last time that they were in the third round was when 
the big boys were skating uh, for for the Avalanche. 2002. Yeah, I mean, I it it seems like a long time, but you know, there was some some mediocrity for mm-hmm. the Colorado Avalanche for a lot of years, and then there were some real real tough seasons, tough times, and now this core. Over the over the past couple of, of seasons, has has been knocking on the door. They've been right there. They just haven't been able to. Like this is the the cyclical wave of the next group for the Colorado Avalanche. And and as you mentioned, Darren, like they've been out of the second round before, not with this group, not with this core. And they're one one away. They've got to get it done. So last time they did it was two thousand two. That was the year before Patrick Waugh played his last game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the 2003, they haven't been to the third round since since the, what, the story I'm going to talk about. Hmm. 2003, Patrick Waugh uh, was up three games to one in a series. <laughs> and the Avalanche, this is sort of the, the end of the era. Mm-hmm. Colorado's up three games to one right now. They, uh, You think they're lock, stock, and barrel to, to, to close this thing out. But they were up three games to one. In Patrick was last year, mm-hmm. and what happens? Minnesota comes back. Yep. One of only two times that the Avalanche have ever blown a 3-1 series lead, Minnesota comes back. And who's the guy that <laughs> ends Patrick Waugh's career? I know. Andrew Burnett. Yep. Who is now coaching uh, the, the the Florida Panthers and hopeful that uh, the, he'll get that job. Uh, more on that uh, as, as we continue because there's a bit of a development uh, on that front. But yeah, it, it, this it doesn't happen very often that the Avalanche blow a three-one series lead, and when they do, it it was a pretty significant one against the Minnesota Wild. So I I think that they're okay mm-hmm. going into tonight. Uh, whether they win tonight or they have to extend the series and and drive uh, a little bit more down this highway, I I do believe that Colorado gets over the hump and finally returns to the third round. Yeah, I I don't know that the Colorado Avalanche have too much to worry about if the St. Louis Blues are still focused on trying to make Nazem Kadri pay. And I like my my hope for these for the sake of the hockey is that the Blues got it out of their system in game number 4 and game 5 they're focused on getting a win and prolonging their season. That's the only way that they're going to push the Colorado Avalanche to the brink uh, or or get back into this series and to me um I don't know that I'm too concerned about Colorado right now. I think that this is a team playing incredibly well. They're balanced. They're getting contributions up and down the lineup. They just feel different to me. And to be frank, I'm looking at the potential Western Conference final. Don't get ahead of yourself. I'm not getting too far ahead of myself. We're a week away. I'm allowed to dream here, Darren. If we get McKinnon and McCarr, versus McDavid and Dreisaitl. I don't know that there's a better matchup from from an entertainment point of view. It the sounds NHL. like you're getting ahead of yourself. I, I didn't say it's going to happen. I said that would be best-case scenario matchup for the NHL. Do, do you disagree with that? It would be a fantastic series, but I also like Calgary and Kachuk and Goudreau and uh, well, Wasn't and it you yesterday who was lobbying for, I just want to watch Connor McDavid play at this level for as long as I can? I I, I would love to do it, but I picked Calgary. So I got oh, to hedge it's my bet. It's a crisis bet. here yes, for you. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm <laughs> conflicted uh, on this. Listen, uh, St. Louis, 
Uh, I, I'm a firm believer that you can do both. I mean, uh, Nazem Kadri knocked out uh, Justin Falk last year and mm-hmm. Jordan Bennington this year. Whether it's on purpose or not, uh, I'm not going to get back into that. <laughs> but uh, but but they got to they got to win a hockey game. Yeah. So they got to put the other thing aside at least for a little bit. At least while the game's uh, in hand. If it mm-hmm. if they're up six one, well then goofy things are going to happen. They they happen in every game. Uh, but but they got they got to worry about the game. The the good thing for St. Louis, in a way, is the most important player for the Blues if they're going to get back into this series Mm -hmm. and win to move on to the Western Conference Final uh, doesn't have anything to do with chasing down Nazem Kadri, and that's Billy Husso. He's he's got to play better. Now, Craig Berube was asked today. It gets got to the point where with Bennington out and Husso struggling, uh, he hasn't been great in the entire the first round of the second round. Mm-hmm. Oh, did he did he consider going to the third stringer, Charlie Lindgren? Because mm-hmm. teams have done that by not by like choice, but uh, Pittsburgh certainly went down to the third uh, goaltender, and and the Carolina Hurricanes had their third goaltender, uh, and he said no, I didn't I didn't even consider Charlie Lindgren, who was outstanding during the regular season mm-hmm. in his handful of performances for the St. Louis Blues, the Southpaw, former uh, Montreal Canadian. Uh, he he has the the ability to turn it on, but the Blues are going to stick with Billy Huso right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that that's necessarily the wrong decision at all, but you, you said it already. Billy Huso has to be better. Like, he's got to yeah. be regular season winning the number one job, Billy Huso, and this is a new experience for him, getting into the playoffs, understanding how the intensity ramps up and and what's kind of expected of you. This is a new experience. Is he going to figure it out? Is he going to be able to find that next level that he's got to be at? That's the biggest question right now surrounding the St. Louis Blues. If they do not get better goaltending, they are done tonight, period. We talked about contract status with Riley. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, where he's at, right? An unrestricted free agent and hopes to be back with with the Vegas Golden Knights. But this is a really important game and week for Billy Husso. And he's had a couple of opportunities at this. But at the start of the playoffs, lost a job. And then uh, in this series, taking over from Jordan Biddington. He's an unrestricted free agent mm-hmm. moving forward. He's had a great year in the regular season. But if he can't pile on some positives in this series, even if he loses in Game 7, mm-hmm. but to be able to win a couple of games would go a long, long way in having a little more strength uh, and leverage in negotiations when it comes to free agency. I don't know whether St. Louis is going to re-sign him is able to re-sign him, or whether they keep him and move Jordan out, mm-hmm. or just let Huso walk. But he's he's got an opportunity. This is gold. Go out there, win a couple of games, or win three straight games, and really strengthen his uh, his leverage. So it's personal, and it's prof- and team wise, it's professional uh, for Billy Huso. Yeah, it's not even a contract year right now for Billy Huso. It's a contract three games. You get three yeah. wins all of a sudden. The the opportunities on the table for you in negotiations are wide open, right? And, you know, the fact of the matter is, like, I, I think that there was a lot of kind of talk and chatter this year about Jordan Binnington, his play, what the future plans look like in goal for the St. Louis Blues. 
and if that contract for Binnington was tradable, uh, right now you're getting into a territory with St. Louis where there's a lot more unknowns, a lot more questions than there were at the beginning of the playoffs, and that's in large part to the way Villiers started the playoffs. He has an opportunity to change that over the next three games. Uh, we will get into the other Western Conference series, and uh, what a wild uh, moment <laughs> or two that was served up between the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, we'll get into that uh, in the next segment, but I uh, want to take it all the way back to the uh, annual battle for Vegas uh, charity softball game between the Golden Knights and the Raiders coming up on July 18th at the Las Vegas Ballpark, and it uh, benefits the Golden Knights Foundation, uh, communities and schools, CIS, and of course the Maximum Hope Foundation. Uh, join, get involved. It's an awesome night uh, to see uh, a lot of our, our sports heroes in and around uh, Las Vegas uh, doing their thing in a, in a fun night uh, that gets a little competitive at the end. So that's coming up on July 18th. Thanks for Riley uh, stopping by uh, in studio. Up next, Calgary Edmonton. They went down a path that nobody saw coming last night. We'll explore that as we continue on the VGK Insider Show and Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. There is the potential that Colorado could clinch the Central Division title tonight. Mm-hmm with the win over the St. Louis Blues and take that series four games to one. And tomorrow night, the Edmonton Oilers would have the opportunity and will have the opportunity to match Colorado Mm -hmm. and advance to the third round. That's where we are in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Oilers and the Avalanche both up three games to one. The Avs we saw coming. The Oilers storming back and winning three consecutive games against the Calgary Flames is a little bit out there. I'm surprised that they've been able to do it. You guys? No, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm flabbergasted to be honest with you, especially when you consider the fact that Mike Smith lasted all of six and a half minutes in game number one and the Calgary Flames put up nine on the Edmonton Oilers in that first game. It felt And like, he was down two nothing in game two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it it felt like this was going to be one of those situations where you look at it and you say, outside of McDavid and Dreisidel, the the Edmonton Oilers are overmatched everywhere else on the ice. Depth, Calgary. Goaltending, Calgary. Except for the fact that Jacob Markstrom was pretty bad in game number one and he has not been particularly good all season all series long so last night markstrom in the first minute Mm -hmm. coughs up a puck that ryan nugent hopkins puts into the open net like a mistake you just can't make and he didn't do it on purpose it was a flub off a stick and left the open net somehow calgary responds from that and they pull even in the most unexpected fashion with Rasmus Anderson scoring a 130-footer against Mike Smith. Yeah. Now, both goaltenders were able to shake things off, but the reaction from Mike Smith told me that he he wasn't looking when Rasmus Anderson shot that puck. I know there's talk about losing in the crowd, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he was like watching the play uh, until the very last second. Yeah, it it was really 
interesting to see Mike Smith's reaction after the puck went in because he was looking around like he had been interfered with. And and that to me was the weirdest thing about yeah. this entire play. Like he he seemed like he wanted to complain about the fact that that puck just beat him clean, but there was no one around yeah. him and nothing to complain. That's why about. I think he was so, he was so surprised. Like I gotta <laughs> I gotta look at somebody here. Like, it's got to be someone else's fault. Another person inside the hockey world. Yeah, uh, we were talking about. I've had about seven conversations going on mm-hmm. at the same time last night. Uh, they said that uh, they thought he was uh, waving at at Duncan Keith for screening him. Mm. Like, which I went back and and watched it. I didn't have to go back necessarily. It was replayed over and over. And yeah, I mean, it did. But that happens all the time from a hundred. But he wasn't even over on that side of the net. It was. It was bizarre. Good on Edmonton for being able to to settle themselves, and that that was a home ice advantage last night, where the crowd stayed in it, were able to boost them up. They didn't get quiet, they didn't sulk, and they weren't on the road to allow the other team to to get a lot of momentum off it. That was a that was a huge part about last night, it, the game being in Edmonton. Yeah, it was huge because. It really did feel like the Calgary Flames were inevitable. You give up a goal like that, and and no, like make no mistake, the the first goal of the game that Jacob Markstrom gave up, like that was pretty egregious too, but not more egregious than just losing sight of a puck to tie the game late in the third period from 132 feet away. Like that, that is egregious. That is a bad goal, as if there was ever a bad goal. But to be honest, like. Mike Smith came up with some big saves after that. He was able to shake it off incredibly quickly. And the Edmonton Oilers are showing me a little something uh, that I didn't think that they had. And that's killer instinct. Like you have an opportunity to go up three, one, you have an opportunity. And and all of a sudden a play happens, that shakes you. This team didn't wilt. They went and wrestled back momentum in the game. So is, is Edmonton really doing this? (laughs) Hmm. I think so. Like I it, it's it's really interesting because I didn't expect this to be a heavily slanted series to one team over the other. But I go back to that first game and I go back to the fact that the Edmonton Oilers were able to tie the game at 6 in the third period. Like they were so far out in that game and yet were able to come back against a very good defensive team in the Calgary Flames. I just think that when you look at the matchup and the way McDavid's playing right now, maybe the Oilers are a little too fast for the Calgary Flames. Maybe their speed is getting to Calgary's defense, and it's just inevitable that the matchup favors the faster team in the Oilers. And when Connor McDavid is on a different stratosphere, maybe he can't be stopped. Yeah, you got to make some save. That, that's, that's what the Flames need last, last night. And they, they got a couple. Uh, he was good, but... Uh, yeah, you got to be able to find, and they've had some breaks go against them. This is this is a series, quite honestly, guys. Mm-hmm. I have no issue seeing the Calgary Flames or imagining the Calgary Flames coming back and taking the set in, in seven games. I there's something that's gnawing at me mm-hmm. that says that, uh, that the Calgary Flames are still going to make a series of this thing. I and th- that goes against all belief and feeling about the St. Louis series. I think that one's done. Is it is it gnawing at you because you picked the Flames to win the Stanley Cup? Not not totally. I'm not saying Edmonton's not going to win, yeah. but I think I think the Flames can stretch this out 
and, and make it a lot more interesting than it is right now. Like Calgary, mm-hmm. last night in the second and third period, yep. even though they, they lost with the game on the line, Calgary was a totally different team in the second and third than they were in the in the three periods of game three and the first period last night. They they got themselves composed, and they, they looked like the normal Calgary Flame club. Mm-hmm. I have more faith in the Calgary Flames making this a seven-game series than I do the St. Louis Blues. That, that's that's about as committed as I am to the Flames coming back and, and getting into this series. I still believe the Calgary Flames are the better team, but I think right now the Edmonton Oilers are playing better hockey. And I'm having a hard time. Legitimately, I'm having a hard time with the fact that Connor McDavid is playing as well as he is. I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. Another two points last night for McDavid. Um, And usually when you allow a goal that soft, like Mike Smith did, it, it comes back to bite you in that game. The fact that it didn't leads me to believe that maybe the ghosts are in favor of the Edmonton Oilers here. I'm just surprised that, that Edmonton's having an easier time of it based on where we are in this series through four games than they did against the L.A. Kings. What's the difference? <laughs> well, L.A., uh, in their in their wins, got some great goaltending. And so far, Calgary is not. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Jonathan Quick was really good in the first round. Yeah, he he, he had some off nights and got, uh, got chased, but it was it – was, really really good or he was average mm-hmm. and he was really really good e- enough times to to make that series uh, go seven games and and put a scare uh, into the into the Edmonton Oilers um you mentioned Connor with two more points last mm-hmm. night yep. his points per game average went down yeah like he, he he didn't even wasn't able to keep pace with his previous uh, excellence uh, slacker he was 2.3 going into last night mm-hmm. and he only had two that's how incredible he is right now yeah, he's, again, he's on a different planet right now. He's on a different level than everybody else. He's, he's to me, the fact that he's been able to do it game in and game out, and there has not been a drop in the level of output every single time he's on the ice, that's saying something. Now, I do look at last night's game for McDavid as being certainly less electric, perhaps, than his other performances, certainly his first three against the Calgary Flames, is that, a little bit of tired legs is it a little bit of the, the minutes kind of catching up to him in the series. Perhaps is it Chris Tanev who battling through getting back into the lineup and making life difficult on McDavid? Maybe, but he still picked up two points. And to be honest, like it could have been three or four. That's how good he was. Even when he wasn't at the level he's been at the remainder of the playoffs. If things finish up the way they are trending, Colorado Edmonton, and how did you describe it before? What were the names that you used? Ed, uh, Edmonton and Colorado. I used yeah. McKinnon and McCarr. I used McDavid and Dreisaitl. All right. I think it's the all-villain series. <laughs> okay. Kane against Kadri. Yeah, I don't view Kadri as a villain. I. You might be the only one. Not in this situation. No, and, and not, not in this, this room. Year. I, I like Kadri. Kadri knocked Jordan Bennington out. He's a he villain. He didn't do anything. For, for the, for the, uh, in the St. Louis Blues Darren, crowd. No, and I, Justin Falk a he year did, ago. That we're not talking about a year ago. You want to know what happened since he knocked Justin Falk out of the playoffs? He fought 
Braden Shen, and Justin Falk. That's done. That, that has no place in this whatsoever. And the Jordan Binnington thing, let's get out of here with that. There was nothing in that play that, that you go back and say, this is Nazem Kadri's fault. Yes, he fell on Jordan Binnington, but that was a product of contact with Callie Rosen. Stop. There's nothing there. There's a lot there. There's nothing there's, there. There's two great villains that could go head to head. It'll be a. It, it would be fascinating to watch it. And I both, cannot and both, believe. By the way, legitimately, both, I cannot believe that you view the play with Jordan Bennington as something that Nazem Kadri had any control over. Yeah, reckless. Uh, but uh, <laughs> okay. but both both players have also had. Was the, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me ask you a question. Was the attempted elbow from David Perron worse than what Nazem Kadri recklessly did? More intentional. Definitely more intentional. So you but, don't view that as as more villainous at all? Well, I don't see Perron as, as one of the great. And villains are great for our sport. They're fantastic <laughs> for sports. And I'm talking like basketball. With, go back to Dennis this Rodman. This is unreal. Uh, and, and in hockey, uh, Tom Wilson, by the way, uh, won't be, uh, be able to play at the start of the season next year. Like we, Villains bring people into uh, the the conversation. And... and uh, Villain is uh, a word that uh, is is more sensational than mm-hmm. anything, mm-hmm. but uh, but I I think Kadri and Kane going head to head in the series with the both performing at the top of their their games with uh, with points would be so much fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, if Kadri was a villain, but he's not, hmm. not not in this context, not in this season. Now that certainly could change if he goes out and does something not the Bennington thing, but he goes out and does something that actually is reckless, that actually is dangerous. But to this point in the playoffs, he hasn't done that. So uh, it, it seems like we're assigning the the reputation thing to Nazem Kadri, and it's it's kind of ridiculous. But your point is well taken. Uh, Nazem Kadri versus Evander Kane would be interesting because both guys would do their best to get under each other's skin. Yeah. Well, Jordan did throw an empty water bottle at him. That's because Jordan Bennington is a baby. Hmm. I kind of like it too. I'm like, sure I, you I like, do. I like I like all the uh, intrigue. Let me ask you: was it was it reckless for Jordan up. Bennington to swing his stick at Nazem Kadri? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, okay, just like uh, so. How how is Jordan Bennington not the villain in this? Because he got knocked out because of a play that happens ninety times in an, in an NHL game. Well, it's more history. Okay, yeah, more, you're, more history. There it is. It's history. It's the yeah. reputation. It's not it, the actual play. It piles up. It's sediment. Take the play, let's, Darren. Let's go with that. Take the play. You, you can't. Yes, uh, you can. There's, when there's history, yeah, it's it's tough to do. Uh, we've got the uh, play of the day coming up, and it's uh, something that we've already talked about. But will it be on your radar as Carolina and the Rangers are tied at two, a homer series there, and the Edmonton Oilers are within a game of advancing to the third round for the first time since 2006? It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. No chance to shoot for Stevenson centered. Eichel scores. It's time for the play of the day on the VGK Insider Show. Game four between the Oilers and the Calgary Flames. It was a 3-3 game on the heels of a very unpredictable goal by Rasmus Anderson that would have been icing if it didn't hit the net. <laughs> that's that's how far away it was, uh, the scoring on, on Mike Smith. And with nine minutes to go, Edmonton had to collect itself, and they came back thanks to Ryan Nugent Hopkins. 
Poked into the corner. Battle for Yamamoto from behind the net. Sets a barrier shot save. Rebound score! The Oilers regain the lead. Ryan Nugent Hopkins. As somebody said to me today, uh, the depth of the Oilers coming through with Nugent Hopkins scoring a pair. He's a first overall pick Mm -hmm. back in the day. But Mm -hmm. he does play a depth role, I guess, down the lineup for the the Edmonton Oilers. And it puts them up three games to one. That was was a pretty good gut check performance by the Oilers. Yeah, it was was a gutsy win. And you know what? Every now and again, you're going to need some of those. And, you know, that... That third period goes differently in game one. We're talking about an Edmonton Oilers sweep instead of can the Calgary Flames win and get this to a game six. So uh, the Oilers have have had the answer to the Flames so far. What will come of it in game number five? I don't know. We'll see. What's the most famous long-distance goal that you remember? Is there one that stands out? There's the famous one, uh, Tony Esposito, uh, Montreal, Chicago, in the Stanley Cup final. Mm-hmm. That one, uh, way before your time, you guys. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but is there one that stands out? So there's there's two. The Jonathan Quick gave one up in 2012 from uh, the red line against the Coyotes, but it didn't matter much because the Kings were such a juggernaut. Um, and then the the Dan Cloutier one to Nick Lidstrom, oh, I, I yeah. think, is a, yeah. a big one that I remember because. I was watching the game, and I just could not believe that Coley would allow that goal. Change, change the whole series. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. Change, and it wasn't even like it seemed like a hard shot. I think Dan just missed it. Yeah, yeah. Although Mike Smith apparently was screened on it. Okay. Last night. Sure, he was. I'm sure. I didn't get the he whole. Was so mad. I didn't get the whole crowd thing because it wasn't like it was a big flipper. Uh, where where it went up in the air. Well, I mean, I could like I could buy into the argument that if it got above the board lines, you could yeah. lose it in the crowd. Like that's fine, but the fact of the matter is, the funniest part of it is that he was looking around, angry at somebody, but no one had anything to do with that except for him. Just total shock. Yeah. Watched it back and forth, back and forth again and again and again. And like, how did that happen? What did it hit? I'm- Nothing. I feel like that would be you after giving up a goal like that. Oh, uh, I would just put my head down and skate right off the ice. No, you'd be blaming Nas. You wouldn't blame it on somebody else. Ah, uh, maybe Nas. <laughs> I don't know. So hour number two of the VGK Insider Show is coming up on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Stay with us.